0: In November, 21 national leaders, including President Obama, will be in Honolulu to attend the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Conference. And though Honolulu's municipal government is not directly involved in securing the IT for the conference, there are plenty of security concerns that Honolulu's Chief Information Officer must address. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com, and I'm pleased to welcome back Gordon Bruce, CIO for the City and County of Honolulu. Hi, Gordon. Aloha. Tell us a bit about the conference and why and how that affects your job as Honolulu's CIO.
1: Well, the conference runs from November the 7th through the 13th of this year. And as you mentioned, leaders of 21 nations come into Hawaii Along with their respective entourages and their media. The total number of people is estimated to be between 15,000 and 20,000 people. The Department of Information Technology for the City and County of Honolulu is intimately involved in public safety oversight, in the fact that we typically have chaired that committee that helps to have all the first responders collaborate over a number of different physical. Operational and cybersecurity initiatives. We're involved in physical access control security for all the government facilities. We're also involved with supporting all the camera systems that are throughout the city and county of Honolulu, which are going to be used during that process. And then all of the applications that we support. And what makes us kind of unique in in a number of ways is that we run a number of state applications here at the city and county of Honolulu. For example, the driver's licensing system, the motor vehicle registration system are all supported by the city and not by the state, which means we have uh, also the responsibility supporting all the other counties. Our reach and breadth, breadth and depth is pretty significant.
0: Before we get to some of the things with the the conference, uh, uh, why don't you explain a little bit why there is this link between digital security and physical security and why it's important to have uh, such a concentration in your office?
1: It's something that we have believed in that in a number of years, We came into place, by we I mean the new directors as we're appointed officials, came into place in 2005. And one of the guidelines that we had under the mayor was to make sure that we had an integrated approach in how we looked at things. One of the areas that was our, our department's area of responsibility was, as I mentioned earlier, the physical and logical security. It was determined that we would make that a single point of contact, if you will, a single management group that would oversee that, which is our agency. And for us, if you think about it, you have 9,000 to 10,000 employees plus contractors that we allow access to buildings covering 640 square miles of the island of Oahu. And at the same time, those individuals have access to a number of different computer systems and related applications. Controlling and managing who's here, who's on first, if you will, is quite a challenge. So coming up with an integrated approach gives you a one-point of contact. In our particular case, it's a credential that enables you access to the buildings not at the moment, but in our long-term plan, is the same for uh, credential be used to um, enable access to the various applications and, and, and the permissions that you get. So if someone starts new with the city, they're issued the credential, the system we automatically know that that person is here. If someone leaves the city and the credential is canceled, then we automatically know that that individual is no longer with the city. And then you've got related checks and balances along the way.
0: What are some of the challenges you're facing in using those credentials to get access to IT systems?
1: The credential is finding an integrated solution set, and then once you've found that integrated solution set, is having it work across the platforms, and that's where the time drag happens. I'll give you an example. We recently, part of our security system, we're going to a centralized motor pool. So the same credential is going to be used to allow you to go to a system and reserve a vehicle and then go to another system and physically check out a key off of an electronic system and take that key and then use the vehicle. The challenge we have is now making those physical security system, interface with the appointment scheduling system, and interface with the system that actually we use to uh, check out the key. And those always have their little anomalies across what gets passed back and forth. That's an example of the kind of challenge that you have, and then you throw on top of that, now that's one application, we've literally got hundreds,
0: it becomes quite the challenge. Is it worth, though, to pursue this as, as looking for a single credential for, for both physical and...
1: Definitely. I mean, it's worth pursuing it. You know, just the, the motor pool project alone, we estimate it's going to save us some 32 cars per year that we'd normally typically purchase. So you figure out 32 cars per year at $30,000 a piece plus all the maintenance. You know, the, it pays for itself in a couple of years, if not less. And there's a lot more out there. And just think about what it would take to manage all of these IDs. 9,000 to 10,000 IDs and, and all the multiple systems and applications that have to be checked and rechecked and double-checked uh, to make sure that people are still here or not here and, and the like. And we have pretty stringent policies as far as sign-ons and passwords here. You, you have to renew them every three months. And if you don't do it within a certain period of time, we essentially lock you out, then we got to administer that. It takes a lot of resources.
0: Can you talk a little bit about other synergies you see with uh, physical and digital security? And also, do you see sort of a merging of that in, in other areas, too?
1: Well, I would like to see a merging of it, but it's interesting. As I talk to my peers around the nation, in both the public and the private sector, physical security and logical security still seem to be separated. Not seem to be are separated. Facilities main maintenance department tends to be in charge of physical security, and then the Department of Information Technology is responsible for the cybersecurity. And never the two shall meet. That I would say the norm. Again, I go back to the synergies. Are this whole amount of effort it takes in managing and controlling who has access to what, and I and by access to what I mean physical and logical aspects. We're looking at expanding these systems over the next number of years. We're going to be issuing what's known as a PIV-IFRAC card, and that's a first responder accreditation card that meets federal standards. These will get issued to first responders It will track their credentials and and what they're able to have. So if I'm a firefighter and I'm hazmat certified, we'll know that. We'll know that they're currently trained because they have to do continuing education credits. We're going to keep on top of that. Those continuing education credit courses are taken online the tie here. And same with police officers. They have to make sure that they've gone through the appropriate gun training or disaster training or those kinds of things. And we want to tie all, all of those together. Right now, those are all managed in multiple different disparate systems.
0: Let's go back to this Asia Pacific Conference that's coming here. What additional information security concerns do you have that you wouldn't normally
1: so there's a number of them, but I'll talk on the physical security side that's been interesting is the fact that the Secret Service really controls a lot of what goes on during these conferences, and we take our directions from them. One of the things that they were concerned about was managing the flow of the dignitaries uh, during the conference from point A to point B. They wanted more physical capabilities to watch them over the, ca- over the camera systems. Now, we have a limited use of camera systems here in Honolulu. My agency is responsible for the support of them. We do some of the installations if it's not contracted out. Then we do maintenance and support afterwards. So we have 200-plus traffic cameras probably in the neighborhood of about, I'd say, 30 to 40 physical non-security cameras, and we're going to be adding another 34 to this system. And then our task is to integrate all those cameras into a single viewing platform that both the first responders and the Secret Service can manage and maintain. So during that APEC time, we're going to be taking over all the traffic cam- cameras, and by we, I mean Secret Service police and their designates to monitor not only the traffic, but the flow of the dignitaries through their various areas. Significant amount of effort, part of my agency, in getting all of these systems tied together and then getting an additional 34 cameras installed. Additional cameras are going into typically in areas where there's no fiber or communications and in some cases a limited access to electricity.
0: What additional work do you need to do or your staff has to do to coordinate this?
1: First of all, acquire the, the equipment, which we've done. A lot of this is wireless, so we had to do all of the studies to make sure we had the right kinds of coverage. Then we do the install. We bring them into the network, secure the network. We're taking over all the traffic cameras and merging them with our physical security infrastructure camera system into, that single, into a single viewing platform. When we're all said and done, we're probably talking in the neighborhood or in excess of 300 cameras and providing the first responders and Secret Service a single point where they can be in multiple locations where they can be monitoring these cameras.
0: Uh, Who's paying for all
1: this? Uh, You are. (laughs) It comes out of the taxpayer dollars, and unfortunately, or fortunately, no matter what way you look at it, for APIC, the city and county of Honolulu has to eat these costs. Now, we did obtain some monies from the federal government in grants, and that's why I said you did, because you pay your taxes. I'm assuming you do. And we did receive a small grant from the Hawaii Tourism Authority for some of it, but then the rest of it, and our estimate, for all of Apex support, not just these camera systems, is going to be neighboring in, the, in the area of about 28 million dollars for the city. Now we're hoping to- that's beyond just IT,
0: though, right?
1: That's beyond IT. That's everything.
0: So you're doing all this with the help of the Secret Service or working with the Secret Service. When it's all done, what do you, what will you have in Honolulu from an IT or IT security perspective that you didn't have before?
1: We'll have a single platform where all of the camera systems can be managed from a single spot and a single platform. That's probably one of the biggest things from this part, from this standpoint. There's a lot of things that we've done to our network to increase and enhance cybersecurity that we'll get to keep. The additional 30-plus cameras that we acquired for APEC will go back and be repurposed, and we'll be able to expand our traffic camera system as a result of that. We have 400 intersections in Honolulu. Right now we monitor over 200, and our goal is to eventually monitor all 400. But at least now we'll have additional intersections that we can now monitor when we redeploy those cameras away from being foot traffic oriented to vehicle traffic oriented. We gain that. And then the knowledge is my staff have cleaned over the past months has been pretty incredible.
0: Are you allowing anybody to take vacation in the next week, month or so?
1: No. They haven't been allowed to take vacation in the past couple of
0: months. And they'll be able to take it when this is all over and I guess... When this
1: uh, is all over, they'll breathe a sigh of relief. There's a lot of people who are out here looking like zombies.
0: So where does someone who lives in Hawaii go in the middle of winter?
1: <laughs> well, we send more people to Las Vegas than any other state
0: in the country. They like to stay warm.
1: Yeah, then they gamble and then they come back. <laughs> now, I don't, but that's, you know, that's for the most part what many do.
0: <laughs> that's great. Well, thanks, Gordon. You're welcome. I've been speaking with Honolulu Chief Information Officer Gordon Bruce for GovInfoSecurity.com. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.